You're listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, episode 165. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with former NFL tight end and campaign specialist at Revive, Asante Cleveland, to talk about his mindset transitioning out of sports. After playing for the University of Miami and then the NFL, Asante shares his experience dealing with mental toughness, how he prepared before a game, and how his mindset shifted as he left sports. If you want to see how this pro athlete utilized mindset as a key part of his journey, this is a must-listen-to episode for you. Are you ready to raise your game? 2021 is the year to increase your performance on and off the field. The Athlete's Edge Journal was designed to cultivate self-confidence and mental resilience through the power of sports psychology. Whether you are a professional athlete, a former college athlete, or have aspirations of greatness in the future, this journal is for you. Visit winthementalgame.com and use the promo code GRANTPAR20 to receive a 20% discount at checkout. Act now to take your mental game to the next level. What would more wins, higher productivity, or quicker recovery mean for you? NeuroPeak Pro optimizes human performance by working to promote balance within the autonomic nervous system. Used by the world's elite athletes, this training program is now available to you at home. Cutting-edge neuroscience and technology allows you to strengthen your brain remotely anytime, anywhere. Schedule your evaluation and get started with your brain training today. Visit NeuroPeak Pro and receive a 10% discount by using the promo code GRANTPAR. Hey, Asante, how are you? Grant, I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Awesome, man. Well, man, I'm, uh, I'm really excited to have you on my show. We're just going to talk about mindset. We're going to talk about your mindset as an athlete, what you had to go through, you know, playing at University of Miami and then playing in the league uh, for about five years and, and then transition, like the whole mindset of transitioning out of sport and, and talk about what you're doing now from a mental performance standpoint. So I'm really excited to have you on my show today. Yeah, I'm excited to be on here. Um, I, I love talking about mindset. It's so such an important part of the athletic journey. And uh, yeah, let's dive in. All right, let's get into it. Well, mental toughness, something that, you know, I know that you and I as athletes, we had to develop our own mental toughness. We're teaching it right now mm-hmm. to athletes and student athletes. So when you think about mental toughness, what does it mean to you? I think being able to withstand uncertainty change um and still be able to perform at your best even when situations and conditions aren't favorable exactly exactly Mm -hmm. you know and when you think about um those conditions the uncertainty uh can you go back within your career a high school college professional can you like share a specific time where you had to be mentally tough? Oh, well, I would say just about my whole time in the NFL, majority of college, but specifically in the NFL, uh, I spent a lot of time on the practice squad. And that uh, being on the practice squad, there are 
transactions all the time. There are guys who are coming in and out, guys who are here one day, gone tomorrow. And when I was in New England, there was a locker, like two, two lockers down for me. That was a revolving door of like every week. It was a different person. And that uncertainty drove me to like really have to focus on just making sure I'm doing everything I need to do to make sure I'm still here. And if, and if something happens, it's not because I didn't do my best. Right. Exactly. Well, and I want to talk about that later in the show about, you know, when you're dealing with those type of, you know, um, those factors and dealing with transition, like how, like, what are the things that you do to stay focused? But when you're thinking about being on the practice squad, uh, for me, at least, I, I always say this to, to most people when I'm talking to teams and athletes, that being, being on the first team is vital. Every team mm-hmm. has to have the best players on the field. But the most important position is the second and third string because yep. you have, you don't, you don't get all the reps. You don't know when you're going to play. And you have to like be ready at all times to actually step into the rhythm of the game, the speed of the game, the tempo of the game. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the the next one up or the next man up, uh, what was that like being on, you know, practice squad or being second string? Like, what was your mindset like then getting prepared? Well, for me, it was, it was a great opportunity to really get adjusted to the speed of the game because, because I'm not on the first team, um, I'm playing against our first team defense all the time. And so if I can still have impact, make plays, be able to block well uh, going against our first team defense, then that also gives me confidence that when I get called up, when my time comes, I'll be able to perform. And also uh, always taking it upon myself to, pre- to prepare as if I could be playing this week. And that also always helped me stay engaged and make sure I know what's going on with our offense, even though during practice, I may not be taking reps over there as long as I need to know what's going on. Right. And, you know, I, I know you, we hear this um, and we talk about this mental reps. So when you're not getting those, those physical reps and you're sitting on the sideline, um, how much, how many mental reps or, or did you do that? Did, did you maximize that time when you weren't playing and playing the game inside your head? Oh, always. I um, would always make sure that we would always have a script before going out to practice. So I would look over our script to make sure I knew everybody's position, everybody's um, job for each play. And then also taking all the coaching points when one of our guys may make a mistake out there Uh, paying attention to like what he did wrong so that when I'm in that position, I don't make the same mistake. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I want to talk about um, the mindset of the position that you played. So tight end and me, you know, playing football for 12, 13 years, playing a quarterback. I mean, that's, that's to me, it's the best position, but I think that the most fun position on the field is tight end because you get to do Everything, everything. Right. But when you think about your position, I believe it has the most range. You have to be athletic. You have to be, you have to finesse, you have to be gritty. So you're blocking, you're hitting, um, you have to think a lot, but then you have to, you know, run routes, catch passes, doing all sorts of stuff. So you're kind of sharing a little bit already, like kind of the mindset and some things that you do from a preparation standpoint, but what kind of mindset do you have to have to play that position, especially in the league? 
tight end is definitely the the position that carries the most range and has the most responsibilities, in my opinion, uh, because of how diverse athletically you have to be. You have to be able to get in a three-point stance and block someone who's probably 30 pounds heavier than you and a lot stronger than you. Uh, And you have to be able to do that effectively. But then also, you have to be able to be the move guy and maybe play a little fullback, which I had to do a lot of. So you have to know the running backs, uh, landmarks, and know that position as well. But then you have to be able to stand up and run routes against people who are probably faster than you. Um, You have the size advantage, but you have to be able to effectively get open uh, and be that safety net in the middle of the field where there is the most action going on. So tight end position, you had to be, you just had to be so aware of everything that was going on all the time. And that's what I loved about it because uh, I knew that as long as I was prepared that I could make a, a positive difference in the game because of how well I would always prepare. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you talked about, you know, whether if it's, you know, a defense tackle or a defensive end or even a linebacker, depending um, when you think about the years that you played in the league, was there a, was there a player that was like the player, like, whether it struck fear in you or was just like, this dude is just, I have to like bring my a game every single play to stop this dude. Like who, who is that? Who is that guy? Yeah. So that came my rookie year when I got to San Francisco and we had Alden Smith and (laughs) Alden Smith was the most terrifying outside linebacker defensive end, whatever you want to call him, because he was so athletic. He was He was very quick and he had wiggle so he could shake you if he wanted to. He was incredibly strong so he could bull rush you if he wanted to. Um, And he had long arms. So like one of my advantages is that I have long arms. Alden Smith's, (laughs) Alden's arms were longer than mine. (laughs) And so to, to have to go against somebody who has every tool in the bag and you have to kind of just react to what you think he's going to do and hope for the best. Uh, it was intimidating, but it was also an incredible experience getting to watch him work um, and then watch like our one on one sessions with him versus Joe Staley. Oh, man. And just see that battle go go on. And then <laughs> for the tight end rep, I'd go up against Alden and just, just hope for the best. <laughs> I remember when you were talking about Alden, uh, not only I mean, yeah, everything that you said, like nails him like he's just athletic and strong um but i remember watching him how his arms they're they're massive 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 and when he was um playing for the raiders in that short stint he was actually living in san francisco and um, he was working out at the gym that i was working at and i just i just wanted to just to get an up close i you know kind of got close to him his arms are no joke like sure they're they're big but i mean they're long those things are like I can only imagine what it would feel like being a quarterback, getting sacked by him. Yeah. And he's just, he's incredibly powerful too. And didn't even mention his speed. He's, he's fast too. So he had everything that you had to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you, when you think about like, you've obviously played the elite level of football and you've gone through all the levels. Um, How much, has your mindset changed? Like, obviously I know it needs to change when you go from level to level, but, or has it been the same? Have you had the same mindset from high school all the way up until the league? 
Um, I think the biggest shift in mindset came from going from high school to Miami. So I'm from Sacramento, California, and my school wasn't like a huge football school. I was the first D1 recruit in years coming out of my school. And so I was kind of used to being like big man on campus. And so getting to Miami and seeing that everybody was my size, that just me being 6'4", 6'5", wasn't going to be like the only way I was able to succeed. So I would have to learn the more technical side of it and uh, be disciplined in my fundamentals. And when I got to the league, the shift was having to really pay attention to the details because now I was going against guys who had been playing in the NFL longer than I'd been playing football, which was like a crazy thing to think about. Wow. And so you had to really be disciplined in like route running. You weren't able to kind of give any hints and to which way you were going because going against the safety, like, Antoine Bethay, who played so many years, like he's going to read everything you're doing before you. So I just had to be just the level of discipline had to and focus keeps going up at each level. Wow, man. Now, when you went to Miami, right, I can and this is just this is a general statement. But when you think about the University of Miami and the history and all the things that have happened on campus just, and this is back in the day, I, I can only imagine when you go there, it's incredible to, to play there and to be a part of that program, but a lot of distractions. Mm-hmm. So how do, how does a, a young football player like yourself, you know, especially when you go there, you're a freshman, you're introduced to this whole new, new world, new program. How do you stay focused? How do you deal with all those, those potential distractions? Um, you have to remember why you're there. Uh, for me, it, the, what's also in Miami, we were in Coral Gables, so it's not like we were on South beach. Um, and also like South beach is crazy expensive for like a broke college student who has no time. So for me, it wasn't that hard to limit those distractions. Um, I think the most difficult part was adjusting to the schedule of from sun up to sundown, you have like a football schedule and you're also blending that with the class schedule. But I did see a lot of teammates who couldn't handle the distractions. My recruiting class was 25 freshmen came in at the same time. Um, and then by the end of that first year, I think we were down to 14 and guys would get kicked out for like partying too much, mm. getting in trouble with girls. It was just, there was a lot of, guys who let um the distractions get bigger than the main goal and so for me it was always focusing on like i'm here to one get a degree uh but two play football and create a positive impact for my team you know when you talk about focus you know with the mental game there's there's so many different aspects there's so many things that we can address to actually enhance our mental game and with all the years that you played football um, were you introduced to sports psychology or were you introduced to mental skills at all? Or was it later in, in your career? Um, how did, how did you get introduced to, to mental skills? Uh, I don't think I ever had any formal introduction to mental skills. I think it was all learned just by osmosis from my dad. Um, he taught me, so my dad 
played for the Cowboys back in the seventies. Um, although we never talked about football really growing up, we didn't really watch football growing up. Um, but he taught me a lot of life lessons that really focused on resilience and, uh, being able to overcome adversity. He made me memorize a lot of poems when I was a kid. And, uh, one of them was like Invictus and then if, um, so I think that's where I learned a lot of my mental skills from. It's, uh, it's awesome that you say that because that was my, my experience. Um, even though I'm in a different generation, I, I think you graduated high school in 92. Or Actually, you, I was born in 92. You were born in 92. <laughs> I graduated in 92. So okay. different generation. But so my dad, same thing with my dad. My dad, uh, when I was 10 years old is when he actually introduced uh, visualization and, and kind of hypnosis. And I don't think he knew that he was introducing hypnosis to me, but, um, but it was through this program. And that was when breathing. So I was breathing, I was visualizing. Um, and my dad was huge just in general with language about um, positive self-talk. So, and he was my baseball coach my whole life until I kind of left that sport to become uh, a football player. But he didn't know he, no one introduced him to, to mental skills training. That was way back. That was in the eighties and the nineties. So I kind of had a head start um, and it, it was formal, but it wasn't formal. No one else was doing it. So, but when I got the training, it all clicked. Like, it, like when I got the formal training, I was like, ah, oh, and I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I think it's, you know, especially with your generation, we think that it's been around, it's been around for a while, but it just mm -hmm. hasn't like not every program, not every organization institution, um, has really bought into it, but I think we're headed in the right direction. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree because I don't even think in college, I didn't have any, like, I don't think we had any like mental training mm -hmm. or like sports psychologists come and speak to us. Um, so I think it's, we're on the right track uh, with these younger athletes getting introduced to this. I think it's great because like my dad also introduced visualization to me, uh, writing down goals. I would uh, write down, I would print out like a goal sheet of like what I wanted to accomplish for the upcoming game. Um, he taught me about visualization. So I, I had a lot of the tools without necessarily, not necessarily understanding right. um, the science behind it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So obviously I can only imagine like throughout your whole career, you've had a lot of proud moments. Mm. So share with me like your most proudest moment. And then we're going to talk about your darkest moment as well and okay. how you overcame it. So, so what, okay. what was your proudest moment? Hands down. Um, when I got my first start. Uh, so this was when I was in new England like I said, I started the year off from practice squad. I got traded to New England from San Francisco. So adjusting to this new culture, yeah. um, going through practice squad and really, I was really like kicking butt on practice squad. And so they, um, they really trusted me the game before I got my first catch. And then we were about to play the Texans and we're in the locker room about to go out. And all of a sudden coach McDaniels changes the script and puts the play that I'm in first. And so at that moment, I realized like, oh, I'm about to start in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was, it was such a cool moment, like breaking the huddle with Brady, Gronk, all the guys. And um, my first assignment was to cut JJ Watt. They were going to part the C and I cut wow. JJ Watt one-on-one -on -one, and I did it. 
<laughs> How awesome is that? Yeah. How, how is it, um, you know, going into that organization, that culture with Belichick and, and Brady and everyone else that, um, that you can only imagine the discipline and the process, you know, committing to the process. Um, what was that like? What was that? Um, was there a lot of pressure or was, or did that kind of culture fit you? That culture really fit me. Um, what I loved about getting there was very early. They told me what they expected of me. Like we brought you in because of this, we think you can do this really well for us. We think you can like move around and be that F tight end for us. And as long as you can execute in that role, like we will always put you in a place to succeed. And so I, I love that. And there it was a true meritocracy where it didn't matter how much they were paying a guy. It didn't matter where a guy was drafted. Like if you were handling business, you would get rewarded simple enough. Mm. And a lot of organizations preach that they say like, that's who they are, but that is not the truth at all. Right. Um, and I saw, I just really saw how that played out in new England and in new England, like we simply just worked harder than everybody. Like we would still be conditioning during the season. Like it was, it was just harder than being at another organization. Wow. But, I mean, it's easy to do all that extra work when you know, like, Hey, we're probably going to win this game. Right. Exactly. But I think, is it fair to say that with that type of culture, it just breeds uh, mental toughness, grit, resilience. It just, you have no choice. If you really want to be a part of that program, you have to commit to those things. Oh yeah. And especially when it's late in the season, it's like 30 degrees. We have an indoor facility, but the only time we would ever use the indoor is if we were playing like Miami, like we were going down to a warm weather area, but if it, <laughs> we were playing in the elements, so wow. being able to like practice when it's cold um, and no one complains about it. It's just, everybody just understands this is what we do. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. What about your, what about your darkest moment? What, what was your darkest moment and how did you overcome it? Oh, my toughest moment was my rookie year. Um, I got called up to play the Seahawks. And it was because one of our, our tight ends was kind of hurt. We were putting in this like really complicated game plan. But because of my preparation, I like took his reps at practice and they saw that I knew what I was doing. So they're like, all right, you're going to play this week. And so going into the game, one of the other tight ends got hurt. So I was now like, okay, now I'm playing most of this game. Right. And so my first play, we score a touchdown. I block for a touchdown. We make an audible. I'm blocking for a Frank Gore touchdown. Now as a Miami guy, come on now. <laughs> That's the best feeling in the world. Exactly. Right. And so I'm riding on this high horse. So I feel I'm feeling good um, in the game plan. I'm doing a lot of motioning. And then all of a sudden we're running this, this inside play and I get a holding call. And in that moment, after I got the holding call, um, I just felt like the atmosphere around me. I was like, damn, it's, it's pretty loud in here. And it's like, you start to feel like the pressure. Uh, uh, it's like, man, these guys are big. These, are, Oh man, that's Cam Chancellor. That's Richard Sherman. Like, Oh shoot. Legion of boom. Um, yeah. And then from there, I, it was tough for me to kind of like snap back out of it. Uh, I ended up dropping a pass, an easy pass. Um, later in the game. And then I missed a block to, as we were driving in the fourth quarter and it was, that was the lowest moment of knowing like, 
damn, I negatively, I made a, a bad play that like kind of cost us the game. Wow. And yeah, so that was my toughest moment. But how I overcame that was I was so blessed to have a coach. My tight end coach was Eric Mangini. And I've had other coaches in my past who would have buried me for making that mistake. But we we just talked about it. We moved past it. And I was still playing the next week. Um, and from there, I, I built up more confidence in just knowing the small details because the block that I missed, it was literally because I had motioned like six inches too wide. And that gave that guy that much of a crease. But like, that's how small the details are wow. at that level. Wow. You know, and thank you for sharing that because it, a lot of, a lot of uh, memories came up for me, mm-hmm. but, but I, but I talk about this all the time when I'm working with athletes is that whether if it's a mistake or if it's external or environmental distractions, especially, you know, I can only imagine in Seattle and also you're looking at the, you know, Legion of boom, there's mm-hmm. all these factors that you're making meaning out of it. Right. That's mm-hmm. because as humans, we're meaning making machines, but if you make a mistake and you don't let go of it in the moment, right. And you keep it with you, I call it the emotional bag of shit. So if you keep playing and you're still frustrated and then you let these other factors like, like, you know, the sound, the crowd, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the players you're playing against that emotional bag of shit gets bigger and bigger. And basically it gets stinkier. Yeah. And so your body <laughs> language gets affected. Your mind's tight. Your muscles are tight and you're not in a great position to, to play football. So if you were to go back to that moment, to that game, what do you think you could have done differently to actually to regain the focus? I think what I didn't do was I didn't really take a step and like take a deep breath. It's like take a deep breath, hold it, like maybe clench my fists or whatever. And then just kind of let it release. Um, Because I just remember just being like out of the zone, like before that holding penalty, I was so focused. I crowd noise didn't matter. Uh, I was locked in on my role. And then um, I just felt myself like, out of focus. Now I'm in my head. Now I'm affected by the environment. So being able to kind of take that step back, take a deep breath and just refocus, re-engage on my role as opposed to being aware of the moment. Yeah. Per- perfect. Get some clarity with that breath and commit mm-hmm. back to you and own your role. That's I, I love it, man. I love it. Now I want, before we get into like transitioning and kind of what you're doing now, um, I always bring this up just because maybe just because I played football for a long time, not at, at your level, but um, what was it like when you think about that first tunnel walk, whether if it's, I don't care if it's scrimmage game or if it was a preseason game or your first start, can you go back? Can you remember that first time when you're walking through the tunnel? Yeah. Our, our first preseason game, uh, we played the Ravens in Baltimore and it was just so cool because you know, like pregame, yeah, you're out there running around. There's not a lot of people there. Um, and then when you've come back out uh for the game and you see it's like filled and just the atmosphere, like all the purple everywhere. And it is also it's kind of cool, like being in an opposing stadium too. Yeah. Um that yeah, just running out on the field, it was really cool. Feeling I remember energy. my first play, I just I was just running. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was so like so much emotion. I wasn't really all that focused on like the details of the route, but I was I was just running hard. <laughs> yeah, my first, um, you know, obviously not at that level, but my very first college game uh, was against it was away and it was against number three team in the state, and we were. Um, I got put in after halftime. So when I was playing and I, and I, I made a mistake that cost us the game, but up until that point I was rocking. Like I was, Mm -hmm. I mean, we were creating momentum, scoring touchdowns, getting first downs. I was running the option. So I was like getting like 15 yard peels, 20 yard. And I was just like, I was surprising myself, but I was just, I was running like everything Mm -hmm. I was doing. I I was trusting myself, but I was a little bit scared, but happy as hell. But yeah. I would just, I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I know whatever I was doing, I was doing it right. So therefore I was in the zone, but it was yep. just, uh, it, it was an incredible moment. It's a, it's a great feeling. It's such a great feeling. You, you, you feel all like the, the nerves and the energy, but like, you're also just so in tune with your, with your routes, your routine, what you have to do. It's, yeah. it's a fun feeling. <laughs> I always say this besides winning a championship world championship, the best thing that you can experience as an athlete is to be in flow and to be in the zone. Cause you're, whether if it is fast or slow or foggy or clear, whatever that experience is, you're in full trust mode, like all your trainings and you're just trusting it and you're dominating. Like what a mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. I love it. So you and I talked about this um, a couple of weeks ago that no matter what position you play, what sport you play, what level you play, you're going to be transitioning out of sport and it's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of great stories out there. People that did the right things to transition out. Uh, obviously we know there's a lot of people that did some wrong things and their transition was difficult or it took a lot longer for them to kind of get in, get into a, a, a good, healthy position in their life. So when you think about when you transition out of football, how was that transition for you? Was it smooth? Was it easy? Was it difficult? Uh, it was, it was difficult for sure. Because like, you know, most guys don't go out on their own accord. And so I was coming off a, I was on IR for a repaired meniscus. And so I went to go re-sign with the Patriots at the beginning of free agency. And then their doctors didn't clear me. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of how I started to see the writing on the wall. Of like, you're probably done. Um, so it was it was a tough transition because now all of a sudden you've had your life all structured around your whole year is structured around football. And now you have all this free time, no structure. Um, and you weren't expecting to have it at this time. And so it was, it was difficult figuring out like what I was going to do next. There was a lot of what I'd call bumping into walls, like trying something, but then like realizing like, ah, this isn't it. And then trying something else and realizing ah, this ain't it either. Um, but that, that bumping in the walls is necessary to find, to put you on the right path. But it was, it was definitely tough. Um, there's, uh, I, I went through like a lot of guys go through depression um, it was it was tough to figure out, but it's it's so necessary for the journey because now you can appreciate so much more when you're doing something that's like, yeah, this is it. This this feels right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And now what you're doing now, I know that we're going to talk about that in a second, but you've you've been pulled and gravitating towards mental performance, mental mm-hmm. skills. Uh, what what kind of what was the trigger? What was the 
the factor that kind of moved you into getting more knowledge and, and doing this you know type of work? Honestly, it was the transition of I had to really be aware of my own mental state um, and do things that helped me uh, develop a good routine. Uh, and it took a while to do that. But now just seeing how much value it is in all these things I've been reading about, like things I'd heard about, like journaling, practicing gratitude, meditation. Um, but now having to actually put these in place because like for my own mental state, like I need to, I need to be in a good spot so that I can be at my best and try to show up for something that is important to me. Um, so that was like, like I said, like the, the toughest part about the transition was also like the best part about it because Mm. it helped me figure out who I needed to become and how I needed to show up for myself so I could show up uh, at my best for other people. Yeah. It's, uh, I love it that you brought it up because I always say this, you know, as mental performance coaches, any kind of coach, um, any kind of sports psychologist, we have to be our work. So if I'm going to sit there and like teach you how to breathe and meditate and visualize and journal and goal setting all that, but I'm not doing it. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it just seemed a little out of alignment, but when you are doing it, I know this, that when I'm teaching it, it just, uh, there's one of these, it's just, I'm connected. I'm there's a frequency. And if someone's not connected, it's okay. Cause I'm connected. Like I'm not mm-hmm. disconnected. I'm already connected. So, and I'm ready when you are. Um, yeah. so that that's cool. So what do you, what are you doing now with this work? What's, what's kind of your, what's your mission right now? Yeah. So right now I'm helping young athletes, uh, develop a mental, strong mental mindset. Um, there are I just after how blessed I was to have a dad to teach me a lot of these things. I see the value in learning these skills earlier. Um, and then also I've, I've heard stories of athletes who had great careers, but still never quite grasped the mental side of it. And that that small little detail was uh, kind of the deciding factor on how their careers went. And so to be able to help guys, help um, younger kids, high school athletes who are looking to play at the next level, it's like, hey, I, I know what it takes to get there uh, and be able to like pass the knowledge that I have on to people so I can see them have success and see them achieve the goals that they're looking for. That's awesome. I love it, man. It's, there's nothing like being in service, right? Yeah. Um, now, with obviously with the pandemic the last year, there's been a lot of things that have bubbled up to the surface and rightfully so, especially for student athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, What have you seen? What have you experienced as far as um, athletes that you've worked with or just talked to or seen like what, what, what are some of the things from your perspective that you're seeing within student athletes, like in the current day? Uh, Just really being the craving that connection Um, games have been canceled. So uh, kind of being discouraged about, well, what's the point of doing this? Um, like, how is this going to help? Um, and still like reminding them that, Hey, like this is only temporary. And then also what I'm helping you learn is going to translate across sports, because as you know, it's like the, the lessons that we learn playing sports are life successful life lessons. And so teaching that resilience, uh, teaching them to be able to empower themselves, um, I think that's so important just to build up like successful people. 
you nailed it on the head. And I've been talking about this for the last 12 months about connection. I mean, that's mm-hmm. focusing on connecting to your craft and then, and then connecting with the people that feed you and feed them with good energy. But I, I, there's a quick little story that recently I'm working with a, with a lacrosse player and he, he, I mean, this guy is like, he's dialed in, like he's, mm-hmm. he journals, he meditates, but then, yeah, he was, he was in it to win it and, and still is, but he got to a point where, cause he was getting frustrated and, um, because of there, he didn't know if there was going to be a season or not. Mm-hmm. So the question came up for him was like, why am I doing all this? And in having me there, I'm like, listen, like stay connected, right? It's yeah. about staying connected keep doing all the hard work in the dark. So when the light is ready to shine on you, boom, yep. you're shining bright. Right. Yep. And they just started two, three weeks ago, uh, practice again. And so when we started talking about that experience, I said, how were you, if you were to kind of evaluate yourself from everyone else? And he goes, first of all, you could tell the people that were out of shape. You can tell the people yep. that weren't connected to their craft. And I'm all, so how were you amongst them? He's like, dude, I was like, I feel like I'm either one or two right now on the team because I'm, I was ready. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. The most important part of this is the process and putting the work in, in the dark. That was one of the earliest lessons that my dad taught me was I was in fifth grade and I was a great soccer player. And I, I was starting to play basketball. I played my first organized basketball season and I didn't really practice basketball, but I figured because I was a great soccer player that, Obviously, I'm going to be great at basketball. Right. And I played this kid who kicked my butt. And I was like distraught. I was on the bench, like crying. And on the way home, uh, my dad, we stopped off at this high school and he got out of the, well, we stopped at the high school. There's this outdoor court. And he said, I'm going to get out. I'm going to walk to the end of that baseline. If I turn around and you're not standing at the free throw line, I'm going to walk back to the car, get in, and we'll never talk about this again. But if you want to be great, you'll meet me at that free throw line. And so he gets out, walks off. I'm making a decision. I'm trying to figure out. I'm still in my feelings, but I get out and I go meet at the free throw line. And he, he gives me a big hug and tells me that that kid's not better than you, but he has put in more work than you have. And if you want to be great, you have to work in the dark. And so that lesson, I think, drove me to like really understand what it takes to one, be good in sports, but also to keep climbing levels. Oh, man, man. I remember the first two years of youth football, man. I, I was bouncing around on offensive line, getting mm-hmm. my butt kicked. And I didn't know if I wanted to play anymore because I know my brother played. So that was the reason why I played football. And I remember my dad said, I'm going to hold you back. Cause you, you know, your weight, um, you don't have to play with all your friends. I want to hold you back so you can actually get a, a better sense of, of the game. And I remember that off season, I was doing bear crawls by myself. I was doing all different kind of foot. And I was, I was 10 years old, but man, I, I, I was doing all the hard work. And I remember like going back to the same coach, he's looking at me as offensive lineman. I'm like, I want to be a wide receiver. And he was like, no, you're not. And then I became the wide receiver and then I became the quarterback. So that's how it all started, but it started for me changing my mindset of just doing the work and not waiting for dad to tell me or being a part of a, an organized, you know, situation. Only only putting in the work at practice. Like that's not going to cut it either. No, no, not at all. (laughs) So before we wrap up here, when you think about your whole career, 
all the way up to like now, like mm-hmm. in this very moment in that chair, what do you think when you reflect on your whole life and your career, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself? Man, that I can, I can make it through anything um, that <clears throat> no matter how many like changes happen um, that I'm resilient enough to stay focused, keep my head. And yeah, one of the, in the poem, if um, I like my dad made me memorize this in fourth grade, but it says, um, if you can dream and not make dreams your master or think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with both triumph and disaster and treat those imposters just the same. And I feel like I've been able to do that very well throughout all the highs and lows. And I think that's what's been able to keep me focused and motivated. Wow, man. It makes me want to go. Uh, I know that poem, but it makes uh, me want to remember it. That's awesome. Oh man. yeah. That's awesome. How do my, how do my, my listeners connect with you on social media and learn more about what you're doing with your company? Yeah, I am on, you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, on Instagram. I'm at Asante Cleveland. Um, yeah, i I'd love to connect. Um, yeah, I, you're, I appreciate this platform. You're awesome. Grant. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, man, it's, um, you know, selfishly because I am a football player, former player, and I love getting the front row seat to, to these conversations and understanding the journeys and your mindset. But I, I thank you. And I know my listeners, thank you for, for coming on my show and, and just talking about your whole journey, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it.